This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Is the Dan Grosser Show. This is the Jets' biggest game since when? This is probably the biggest game that Robert Sala's coached since he's taken over the New York Jets. You want to beat this team. Two and one and one and two is only separated by one game, but that one game might as well be worth 10 games. And what you all thought was going to be a special season, what they thought, the league thought, was going to be a special season for this football team. Potentially slipping away just three weeks into the season before you even get out of the month of September. They can ill afford that to happen. You know how you avoid it? You go out there and take care of business on Sunday. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Giants, about 24 hours away from a showdown with the San Francisco 49ers in week three of the NFL season. Week three already, if you can believe it. Goes fast. Uh, And they're going to have their hands full, of course. Short week. Trying to capitalize off of that outstanding second-half rally that they put together in Arizona. But the opponent is going to be a heck of a lot more formidable in the form of these 49ers tomorrow. So we'll see how they fare. And we want to head out to the West Coast. We're going to head out there momentarily to check in with our pal Jordan Renan, who is uh, covering the team, of course, for us here on ESPN. And he has spent the entire week, or at least most of the week, out on the West Coast while the team did as well, you know, because it doesn't make any sense to fly back to the East Coast and then get on a plane, go out to San Francisco when you were just in Arizona. So Jordan's out there with everybody else, biding their time. And um, look, this is a game for the Giants. I think you got to be a little realistic, and you have to realize what they're going up against. They're going up against a really, really good football team. For my money, this is the best team in the NFL. Okay, I picked the Niners to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of the season. No reason to jump ship now after two games. This is a loaded football team. It's their home opener. You know that that place is going to be crazy on a Thursday night. I think that there's going to be a few more people there than there is at Red Bull Arena tonight. So the Giants are going to have to deal with that. And plus, you're going to be playing shorthanded. You're not going to have Saquon Barkley. You're not going to have Andrew Thomas. You're not going to have Bredesen, another one of your starting offensive linemen. So that's just one side of the football. And oh, by the way, on the defensive side of things, I mean, this unit is not exactly wowed over the first two weeks of the season. Giants have given up the most points in the NFL through the first two weeks. They haven't recorded a quarterback sack yet. They haven't forced a takeaway yet. They're the only team in the NFL that has neither of those two over the first two weeks of this NFL season. You got to get better. This run defense, remember the run defense was a huge liability for them last year. And you thought that they had maybe tried to fix that in the offseason with some of the moves that they made by signing those veterans and just bringing in some more beef up front. They really haven't solved that either, right? Arizona gashed them on the ground on Sunday. And when you talk about playing time, you know what? A guy that I want to see out on the field more is Isaiah Simmons. He's an athletic freak. I want to see him on the field. I think he played 13 snaps the other day. You got to get more than that. I understand that he doesn't have like a true position and he's kind of one of these like Swiss Army knives. I, I get all those things. But you know what? Talent is talent. Find a place for him. Because right now when you're looking at that other position alongside Bobby Okereke, in that linebacking core, especially on the inside, you know, you got Micah McFadden, who's a youngster right now, and I don't think he's making anybody forget about Harry Carson anytime soon. 
Why not give Simmons a shot? I hope, you know, I know that he's kind of late to the party since he came over in August and stuff, but, you know, hopefully as he gets more experience and more familiar with this scheme that they're going to find a place for him because this is a guy who hopefully they can tap into. Otherwise, they wouldn't have gone out and gotten him. But it's going to be a tough assignment tomorrow night. It really and truly is. And the quarterback, you know, I just don't want to see Daniel Jones out there running for his life and taking unnecessary hits like you saw in that week one game against the Dallas Cowboys. Let's say uh, while we wait for Jordan, let's get a couple of phone calls up. Let's say hi to Bobby in Belmore up next year on 98.7. Bobby, how are you? Hi, Dan. Before I get to the football, uh, the four through nine hitters on the Yankees hit between 125 and 219. I wonder why they suck. Jeez. Uh, you know what, Bobby? Th- when you tell me that, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's no way they're making the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. And uh, speaking of the, before I get to the Jets quickly, Giants, uh, you forgot one guy. Yeah. Thibodeau, this guy, all he does is run his mouth. He sucked last year. He had one good game last year against the Redskins. This year, he had two. He had no sacks. One quarterback hit on the cards uh, the other day. So you know this guy. You know, claims about the fans booing him. I mean, of course you're going to boo because you've been terrible. And he's the fifth pick of the draft, and that's a giant general manager's first pick. I know he's gotten a pass to general manager because of what they did last year, but that was his first pick ever. You know, for the Giants, and he doesn't look too good. This guy plays like again, plays like this uh, this year. He's going to be considered a bust. Well, not only that, Uh, and and if you're going to attack the fans and call them out and say, you know, we don't really care what the fans think, like he said yesterday, I mean, you're not going to do yourself any favors either. uh, Yeah, let me get to the Jets. Okay, I I totally agree with you. Um, They got the Eagles, Chiefs, they have um, Giants, Chargers, Miami twice, and Buffalo. That's seven games. Okay, Mm -hmm. maybe they'll split with the Chargers and the Giants. Maybe they'll they'll split with Miami. That's the best they're going to do, and that's five losses. Plus Dallas's loss, New England's loss if they lose. That's seven losses right there. And I'm not even talking about the other seven games that they could lose, even though they're they're weaker teams. So that's ten and seven. That's not gonna get you in. It's but, not you know, you haven't beaten No, I don't think it I I don't think it will. Ten the, and seven I mean, won't get knows? you in the playoffs, really? I don't I I don't did a team get ten and seven last year and get in. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't recall. Yeah. Uh, well well, that's just well. That's the most wins they're going to have is ten. Baltimore wins. made the playoffs last year at ten and seven. The Chargers made the playoffs at ten and seven. The Dolphins made the playoffs at nine and eight. Those were the wild card teams. Okay, well, I was off there, but I mean, you know, I'm not even counting the other seven games where they could get upset. And you know, they haven't beaten the Patriots in six times without Brady. Forget the other years, okay? You know, the six times without Brady. If they don't win this game, like you said, I don't think they're going anywhere anyway. And, uh, you know, it'll be time for, for the Jets to, to make some decisions as early as it is with Wilson. Because um, if he plays terrible again, I mean, you know, I know Salah, you know, is making excuses. I mean, everyone's always oh, not the top five reasons you, you lost last week. But what about one, two for 13 under on, on pressure? Which we've been the worst statistically quarterback in the league under pressure since you came to the league. What about one for 11 on third down? What about three interceptions? What about 40% completion rate? Okay, I mean, I understand, you know, the defense on the field for 40 minutes, they had played horrible. The game plan was horrible. They didn't run the ball, but they're making an absolving blame of Wilson. I mean, this guy didn't exactly have the greatest game of his life. Bobby, are you at a pickleball court by any chance? Yes. Yeah! Yes, I am. I'm, I'm playing. Yes! I'm playing. Yes! I'm playing. I'm playing. I knew it. I said it's. I said to the guys in the other uh, in the control room. I said it sounds like he's on a pickleball court, and you are. Nice. Yeah, I'm playing actually paddleball. Pickleball is. I can't. I. I don't know how you can play that. There's a game that 
It's a half a tennis court. I don't understand what this really is. Bobby, I'm with you. I don't don't get the pickleball craze. But, you know, at least you're active. You're out there. It's 10 after 8. God bless you. Bobby, thanks for the phone call. I appreciate it. Get back to your game. I don't want to hold you up any longer. That's not what I'm here to do. I knew he was sorry. I heard, like, the paddles. He's not at a ping pong club. He's playing paddle ball. Good for him. Good for Bobby. (laughs) I was like, what the hell is he doing? Pickleball, paddleball. Same thing. Hey, look. We all know the truth. Jets got to win this game, right? They got to win this game. And I don't want to think in these terms, but look, if they have another loss to the Patriots, where it's 15 in a row, especially coming off of last week's clunker down in Dallas, and if the usual suspects are going to go out there and not do their part, and they're going to underachieve on Sunday, I, hey, not going to be a fun postgame show on Sunday. It's not going to be a fun show on Monday or Tuesday or the rest of the week. And then, oh, by the way, you got the defending champs coming in next Sunday night on, uh, on, in front of the nation again on Sunday night football when Kansas City comes to MetLife Stadium. Got to win the game. Got to win the game. Let's say hi to Jose in Brooklyn, who was up next here on 98.7. Jose, good evening. How are you? Good evening, Mr. Grazda. Shout out to the company. Hello, Joe and Harvey. And I'm just here because, you know, you you set set up everything. It would not be a good show. I'm kind of hoping the positivity. I want the Jets to win. I think that 14 games is definitely long enough. So so, so, so what we're getting tonight, before before you get into the call, the way you're setting it up is we're getting positive Jose tonight. Yes. Okay, we're getting positive, Jose. That's fine. Yes. Okay. Because <laughs> I think that I, I really do think that the defense will respond very well. I think that they're going to come out with, like, the same intensity that they did on uh, hopefully try to uh, match it on the Monday night game. Nothing's going to be the same like that. But, you know, I think that, you know, the defense is going to try to step up. I think the running game is definitely going to be utilized a little more. Um, with, 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 and that's kind of what I'm hoping for, um, because I know Hackett is not great at making adjustments and is kind of stubborn, but, you know, I think with the running backs we have, I think he's going to try to utilize them a lot more in this game. And I, I, I just don't want want to hear what, what happens because then when negative Jose comes out, he's going to start taking shots at certain people <laughs> who can't understand the certain concepts of a bad team and what they're looking at. And rather than being defensive and saying, hey, yeah, you know what? My team is bad. It is sad and pathetic that every other team goes out there and says, at least we don't have Zach Wilson as our quarterback. That is the most that is the most laughable thing that we have ever aspired to as Jet fans. And yet you're going to go out there and try to take shots at fellow fans and try to think that I don't know the difference between man and and zone. Oh, this is oh, I see where we're going now. This is this is oh, yeah. this we, is yeah, from last night. This is where yeah. uh, Youssef called up and and, and you know hit uh, did a drive by essentially and hit Jose with a couple of strays, which I didn't, which I didn't appreciate, Jose. And I don't allow that because I don't want anybody defenseless to be sitting there, you know, getting shot at. I'm not doing that. So, you know. No, definitely. And what made him such a clown is that you actually went up, called up the radio station and attacked someone 
when we were just having a good time. I was showing you, you know, like giving giving a little insight on my career and, you know, my birthday and all of this nonsense. How and was the birthday, by the way? Fantastic. I took today I took today off. That's how fantastic so, it was. So so you worked on the birthday, but then took the day after the birthday off. Oh, of course, yes. Wow. I, I partied the night. <laughs> I thought you would have went the other way around, but okay. I mean that's one way of doing it. That's fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of that person. So you know, it, it, it ended up being, being a fun day. But um, just, you know, just, just wanted to state that, and hopefully we can get the win, Dan. I'm, I'm hoping. I want to be at the tailgate and, you know, ha- have a good time. I don't want to be upset talking about, you know, how someone didn't get it done again. I don't, I'm tired of having that conversation. I'm tired of trying to blame everyone else to figure out why why they didn't get it done when we kind of know what the what the issue is. And then at the end of the day, sadly, the Jets are always going to be remembered for the biggest draft bust in history, not because of just how Dak Wilson was bad, all those other players that were given up and that were named after like a Michael Parsons, who was mentioned earlier, who's been pretty much the stud defensive well, player. Well, Jose, how about this? How about this? And I got to run here. I got to hit a break, but I thank you for the phone call. Um, you can't even say Justin Fields anymore, given the mess that the Chicago Bears have become. And, and, and we'll get into that here coming up in a, in a second. I mean, you can sit there and talk about who's your quarterback, who's not your quarterback. Be thankful you're not a Bears fan today. Because right now, they like I know the Arizona Cardinals aren't trying to win and might be the worst team. Bears aren't far behind. They are an absolute mess. You know, imagine if one of your, you know, your defensive coordinator had, according to reports, his house raided by the FBI and the team facility raided by the FBI, and then he has to resign two weeks into the season. How about that? And oh, by the way, you got a quarterback who threw the coaching staff under the bus and then had to go back out in front of the media to clarify what he was trying to say. Yikes. And they don't have a clue. A clue. Who runs the MLS? Don Garber. Can we get him on the show? This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. All right, we got some bad news. Bad news. Jordan Renan's not going to be able to join us tonight. Unfortunate. Yeah, I know. Even in Sega Genesis, it sounds awful. But we're going to try to get him on tomorrow. I know he's busy. I know they got a game. But you know what? People do hits before games, even games they're covering, right? I mean, that, that, that that's part of the job. Stop taking all my money. So we're going to try to get him on tomorrow. He's in a bad cell service. He's by the mountains. You know, I guess when we agreed to do this or he agreed to do this, he didn't know that he was going to be next to a mountain range. What is he, like climbing Pike's Peak? Like, where is he? What is he doing? But nevertheless, we can't get Jordan. So we will get our Giants preview. I promise. At least we're going to try tomorrow. Before they kick off at 8 o'clock. Anyway, I mentioned the Chicago Bears. Before we get back to the phone. So the Bears stink, right? And right now, they're off to an 0-2 start. And they really don't seem like they have a plan as to what they're doing. Remember, they let Jordan Love and the Packers go into Soldier Field week one and beat them up. Then they go down to Tampa Bay and they got Baker Mayfield in week number two. All while Justin Fields who is supposed to be, you know, the next best thing to slice bread, so we've been told for the last couple of years. But yet Justin Fields' record as a starting quarterback is 5-22 and so far in the National Football League. Hell, Zach Wilson's won twice as many games as that so far in the NFL. 
So Justin Fields does his weekly media briefing today out there at Hallis Hall and says, um, in terms of critiquing his own play, he says the following. I felt like, you know, I wasn't necessarily playing my game. I felt like I was kind of robotic and not playing like myself. So um, my goal this week is just to say effort and just go out there and play football how I know how to play football. That includes thinking less and just going out there and playing off of instincts rather than just so much info in my head, data in my head, and literally just going out there playing football. I mean, just going back to it's a game, and that's it, because that's when, you know, I play my best is when I'm just out there playing free and uh, being myself. So I'm going to say kind of just bump all what I should do, this and that, like pocket stuff, like I'm going to go out there and be me. And by the way, I guess I should mention too, for those that haven't looked ahead to the schedule yet this weekend, the Bears are playing um, the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. So, you know, like I said, just your usual, normal run-of-the-mill game that they have this weekend. All right, so Justin Fields a little bit critical of the way things have gone for him. What's happening? Why is he playing this way? Could be uh, coaching, I think. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're doing their job when they're giving me what to look at and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I can't be thinking about that. When the game comes, I prepare myself throughout the week. And then when the game comes, it's time to play free at that point. So um, just thinking less and, you know, playing more. Could be coaching. That's the red flag right there, right? That sent off the shockwaves. And that made social media explode. Coaching. Guy's on a terrible team. Guy's won five games so far in his career, and he throws the coaches under the bus, which is like page one of the how to get yourself the hell out of there playbook. If you're unhappy with your current team and your current situation, throw the coaches under the bus. You're also going to be criticized heavily, probably for a lot of other people around the country, but still, that was in the playbook. So he was asked if there's too many voices that are coaching you. I don't think it's too many coaching voices, but I just think when you're fed a lot of information at a point in time and you're trying to think about that info, like when you're playing, it doesn't let you play like yourself. You're trying to process so much information to where it's like, you know, if I just simplified in my mind, I would have did this. I saw a few plays on Sunday to where if I was playing like my old self, like we would have had a positive play. Like there would have been a few more third down conversions. So I think that's the biggest thing for me is just, you know, playing the game how I know how to play it, how I've been playing it my whole life. So that's what I got to get back to doing. Here's what it comes down to. To. All right, if you want to read between the lines, if you want the Cliff's Notes version, the Bears, with their scheme and with these coaches, they're trying to make Fields a pocket passer. They don't want him fleeing the pocket as much. They don't want to utilize the athleticism. Remember, this is a guy who ran for over 1,000 yards last year. Okay, He's got the tools. He's got the crazy athletic ability. But they want to make him more of a refined passer. And I think that he's processing and thinking too much. This is a classic case. We hear this about a lot of young players. Right. When can you finally get the mental part of the game down to where you're not thinking at all and then you're just going out there and letting your gifts take over and just playing when it becomes easy, when it becomes slow. And right now, there's a little bit of a conflict between the Bears and Justin Fields. So, of course, he makes the comment about the coaches and social media explodes. So then Justin Fields has to then go back out in the locker room a little bit later in the afternoon Get the media out again to clarify that he wasn't throwing the coaches under the bus. 
I'm not blaming anything on the coaches. I'm never going to blame anything on the coaches, never going to blame anything on my teammates. I will take every, whatever happens in the game, I will take all the blame. I don't care. It's a drop pass. It should have been a pass. Put it on me. But never will you hear anything come out of my mouth to where I will blame it on somebody else. In this organization, my teammates, never will you hear that. So I just want to clear that up and just know that, like, I need to play better. That's it. Point blank. If, if y'all, that's, that's what I should have said in the first place. But, you know, I was trying to give y'all more details because, you know, I appreciate y'all for doing what y'all do. And I try to give y'all the information y'all want before you guys drop. So um, I'm going to do that and in the future. Like, But I ask you guys just to put the whole quote out. Don't cut it up into words and pieces to make it seem like I'm saying something that I'm not. Well, and again, people ran with that quote, and that's why I thought it was important to play all three bites there because the, the, the whole answer was if, if you go watch the entire answer online, it was about two and a half minutes long. But people only took that one headline of coaching, and then it just kind of spread like wildfire. So I wanted to present everything in the proper context, and you could form your own opinion here. But, I mean, you look at the Bears organization as a whole right now, okay? Like, where are they going? I mean, they look like they don't have a clue. You know, you got this quarterback, and, and, and we don't know what Justin Fields is going to be. But that's why I always talk about, and it's not just in football, it's baseball, it's basketball, it's hockey, it's, you know, whenever you talk about a young player and a guy with a lot of gifts and ability and whether or not he's going to be a bust and whether or not he's actually going to have those talents pan out and he's going to actually be really good, so much of it has to do with the phrase right place, right time. Like if he goes to an organization, gets drafted by a team that has no idea how to take care of a prized commodity – then their career is going to be tarnished and it's going to be ruined. And then you just hope that they either get somebody who knows what the hell they're doing or they go to an organization that knows what they're doing. Because Chicago is not that place right now. And who's to say that Fields is going to be a good quarterback, isn't going to be a good quarterback? Nobody knows. Right now with this regime, they've had 19 games and they've won three of them. Three. And it doesn't look like it's getting better anytime soon. So you had the Justin Fields nonsense, number one. The left tackle went on injured reserve today, okay? Then I mentioned the story involving the defensive coordinator, Alan Williams. There's, there was a report that the FBI had to raid the Bears' headquarters and Alan Williams' home. Obviously, we don't know for what. But you know what was the weird part about it? You know who the FBI guy was that actually tipped the Bears off that this was happening? Charles Peanut Tillman, a guy who used to be on the Bears, who's now in the FBI. Think about the irony there. You can't make this stuff up. Like, you think things are bad for the team you root for. This is real. This isn't like a soap opera. This is real. A guy who was one of your best players is now with the FBI and telling you, hey, by the way, we got some goods on your defensive coordinator. And then the defensive coordinator resigned later on in the afternoon, two weeks into the season. Nathan Peterman, who was a backup quarterback, he got cut today. So now they only have two quarterbacks on the roster. I don't know. Does Nathan Peterman move the needle for you, Jet fans? You think that he could suddenly turn this season around? You want him? Yeah. Just an average 24 hours right now in the life of the Chicago Bears. Yowzers. 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 800-919-3776. We'll get more of your calls in. When we come back, I want to state a case as to why I don't think 
that as the Mets get ready for next season, they need to make a change in the manager's office. What says Red Bulls, Harrison, New Jersey? I ain't going to that there, games. This is the Dan Grossa Show on 98.7 ESPN. Before we get back to the calls, though, um, Mets are beating the Marlins 4-1 to in the bottom of the sixth. Vientos actually has two home runs tonight, so that's good to see. I know he's kind of positionless, and he really hasn't exactly set the world on fire, you know, in the opportunities he's had this year offensively. But, you know, a- any little bit helps getting more experience in producing here down the stretch as uh, Josh Bell just takes Senga oppo to make it 4-2. But big picture, what this team's going to look like next year. David Stearns, we know, is coming in as soon as the season is over. So Oct- October the 2nd on that Monday is, I believe, his official start date with the New York Mets. So who knows? I mean, he might be having a hard time going to sleep on Sunday the 1st. He might turn on the radio and listen to me and Greg because we're going to be on until about 1.30 in the morning wrapping up Jets Chiefs on that Sunday nighter. But David Stearns is going to come in as the new baseball czar. And when anybody comes in to run a franchise in any sport, they generally want to bring in their own guy, right? Somebody they're comfortable with, somebody they have a good relationship with. There's a mutual affinity between the two. He don't know Buck Showalter from Adam, right? He don't. And even though Buck's done a good job for the most part, I mean, last year he was the manager of the year. This season, nothing has gone right. But this is a guy who's had a very long, distinguished career, And the thing I say about Buck Showalter and why I do believe that he deserves to come back next season, even though he's going into the final year of his contract and generally you don't want to have a manager be a lame duck, so then they would have either one one of two alternatives. You could either extend him for a year so he's not a lame duck or he just decides to part ways and pay him that extra year where he's not going to be managing for you. And he could bring in somebody that he has a relationship with. There's a lot of rumors around Craig Council in Milwaukee, and obviously he knows Craig Council because Craig Council's contract is up, but there's talk that he maybe wants to take some time away from baseball for a year or two and spend it with his family. But Buck Buck Showalter deserves some credit because you haven't heard about any strife in the clubhouse, aside from the crazy rumors that, you know, some people are running with about who was bad in the locker room and who wasn't and all those things. The organization essentially stripped down the roster. And since the trade deadline, the Mets have actually played, dare I say, decent average baseball. Like, they're not, you know, 10 and 40 or something like that. You know, I think they're like five games under 500 or something like that since the the trade deadline, which is commendable because you have a diminished roster, right? You're not exactly going into these battles with the same type of ammo as the team in the other dugout on most instances. I mean, you look at some of these other teams that have had horrible seasons, whether it's the Chicago White Sox who had to fire, you know, Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn, their EVP and their their general manager, even the San Diego Padres situation. They've been a massive underachiever right now in what was expected out of them this season. But the Mets stripped this whole thing down. They waved the white flag, and the Padres only have four more wins than they do. And the Padres kept all those guys. And they're going to have the Cy Young winner this year probably in Blake Snell. And they only have four more wins than the Mets. I don't know how much of a concerted effort they're going to try to make to be a winner next year because we're not going to know until the winter arrives and we see how this roster is going to be constructed. But you could do a lot worse as far as a manager than Buck Showalter. You really could. And I would know that if I'm coming in to run an organization and I want to maybe get things off on the right note, 
having a guy in there that can run a game and knows what he's doing and is well-respected, there are worse alternatives for you, I think. So that'll be my vote, even though I don't have a say as to how things are going to shake out for the Mets, but we'll see. Let's say hi to Tommy in Connecticut up next here on 98.7. Hey, Tom, how are you? Good evening, Dan. I, w- I, was, I was not going to go towards the Bears, but if you were given truth serum yeah. before the season started, would you have imagined that Baker Mayfield was 2-0 and and Josh? <laughs> no. No. And, you, and give you know what? Give Baker Mayfield credit. I know it's only two games, but I'll tell you what you've seen. You've seen Baker Mayfield, who is healthy now, because he was dealing with shoulder problems for a couple of years, and I know that he's bounced around a little bit. Baker Mayfield has been one of the top third-down quarterbacks in the NFL so far the first two weeks of the season. Go figure. Well, and they and they haven't beaten nobody's. But uh, that just leads me to my point. How amazing is the NFL? If you look at this lineup for this weekend, think about it. You got Giants Niners, mm-hmm. old school rivalry. Yep. You got Jets Pats, and then on Monday night you have a doubleheader with like four of the last Super Bowl contenders. You know, with the Rams, the Eagles, the Bengals, and the and, Buccaneers, and the Bucks. They they can't they literally I don't care when people say it's scripted if it's scripted it's scripted pretty good. No, you're absolutely right about. That. I mean, and think about Sunday night football. You know, if you if you remember those old rivalries from the '70s, Steelers Raiders. It's not in Oakland. It's in Vegas. But Steelers Raiders. There's still something special when you put on a football game and see those two uniforms button heads with one another. It's amazing. They can't do anything wrong. Thanks for taking the call, Dan. It's a superpower. That's exactly what it is. And, Tommy, thanks a lot for the phone call. Also, by the way, it looks there's a chance. There's a chance. I guess Bryce Young's availability is in question this week. He's dealing with an ankle injury. Carolina's going out to see. And, look, that's going to be a tough game anyway for uh, for Carolina because they're going to play the Seattle Seahawks. And who knows? Right now, the way things are going, remember, Carolina's backup is Andy Dalton. Maybe some people feel that Andy Dalton gives him a better chance to win a game right now than Bryce Young does, given the fact that he's young and he's still processing everything, and, you know, we'll see where that goes. Denver's going to Miami. Miami's a favorite in that game. Of course, think about it. Sean Payton did all that talk, and Denver's this close to being 0-3 to start the season. 0-3. Yikes. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Let us say hi to Paul in Queens, who is up next here on 98.7. Hello, Paul. How are you? Dan, how you doing, buddy? Listen, let me make two points here. Yeah. You remember last year, probably around this time, maybe a couple of weeks after, I'm trying to remember where, you know, Quinton Williams was yelling, you know, at the, uh, you know, at the defensive staff. At you Aaron Whitecott, yeah, pressure. the defensive line coach. Yeah. At Aaron Whitehead, who's, you know, from the hard knocks, looks like he knows what he's doing. But then they adjusted to it, and it kind of sparked that team. Because remember in the beginning, we're like, oh, Carl Lawson, he's not going to be that great. And then they started getting sacks, started rotating. We're like, whoa, we got a, we got a defensive line here. I heard the same kind of things this year, yeah, man. You know, and what I heard today about Brees Hall—he wants more, more touches. Sauce wants to be on the best defender. You know what? We hit uh, a jet. You know, again, another nightmare. I could tell you millions of nightmares since the since the early since the early eighties. Sure. But, you know, we lost our quarterback. We're trying to adjust. You know, you know, we heard that voice last year. You know, put Sauce on the best player. Let Brees you know, carry our team. Because you know what I'm afraid of? And I told you, I told you, you know, you and, and Greg in the postgame show, mm-hmm. I hope that Dallas didn't print this blueprint that you didn't talk about. 
what's one way that what, what's one thing that Dallas offense did to kind of offset a defensive line? They did a lot of hurry up. What are they? The Buffalo Bills from the yeah. 1980s. They did a lot of hurry up. And that worries me because if they stack the box, number two is not your best quarterback. I mean, come on, Dan. He couldn't even touch the end zone on that pass. It felt like one yard short. We had a guy in the end zone. What worries me is did you know is this team? This team has to adjust. You know, and I think it's you know you hear these voices out there, and you know we did it last year. It kind of worked with Quinn Williams. I'm hoping that Salah heard these and we can adjust and make this season that we all were saying to ourselves, "Hey, we finally got a great quarterback." You know, we as a fan base, you know, need. Yeah, we've been ridiculed by the NFL. You know, oh, we you there. We want to be in the Super Bowl and whatever. But you know what? We kind of deserve it, man. We're great fans. Dan, have a great night, buddy. Paul, you'll you be good. You know, one other thing that I just thought of, too, that, you know, we really haven't talked a lot about because, you know, I don't think it would have necessarily affected the outcome of the game. But how about that one play, too, on Sunday where CeeDee Lamb fumbled the football and the ball was just, like, lying there on the ground. And it was Tyler Biotis, their center, who basically comes 30 yards up the field to recover the fumble. Like, how does, how does an offensive lineman end up recovering that loose ball when the Jets had defenders who were right there? You know, like I said, I don't know if it would have meant a difference in the final score, but those are plays you got to make. You know, those all add up. And that's why you had a lopsided result like you did on Sunday afternoon. I don't think there's anything that the head coach has to say to motivate this team on Sunday. Every guy in that locker room, when they sat down on Monday to watch the film and how ugly things got on Sunday, and knowing the fact that this is a division opponent and a team that's beaten you 14 straight times, I think that's all the motivation you need as a professional athlete. I don't think, I don't think the coach has to fire you up. It's like that old saying, if you need, if you need a rah-rah speech at this stage of the game, then you know, check your pulse. Maybe you're in the long line, or the wrong line of work. Bobby, are you at a pickleball court by any chance? Yes. Yeah! Yes, I am. I'm, I'm playing. Yes. This is the Dan Grasso Show on ninety-eight point seven ESPN. Dan Grasso Show, ninety-eight seven ESPN. Take it until the top of the hour. Then we're gonna hand things off to Gordon and Larry, and they'll carry you the rest of the night. I wanted to mention um, the passing of Phil Sellers. Which, if you know me, of course, and the fact that I'm a Rutgers guy and, you know, huge affinity, of course, for Rutgers uh, Rutgers hoops. Phil Sellers is the GOAT when you're talking about Rutgers basketball. And that team that went to the Final Four in 1976, they won their first 31 games and made it all the way to the Final Four before they lost to Michigan. You know, he he was the star of that team, him and Eddie Jordan and, and, and the like. But school's all-time leader in scoring, rebounding, and he passed away today at the age of 69. And I know that he wasn't doing well because I I guess it was a few months back or or whenever it was. I know that one of his uh, children tried to organize a GoFundMe to help out with some of the, the, the cost of the medical bills and everything that had been mounting here a little bit. And, you know, you saw the news today, and it's really, really um unfortunate that it happened and and like I said you know Rutgers basketball we don't have that history like some of these other programs do but you know that 76 team you know you go to the final four and you know you have a run like they did you know that's always going to stand out he's one of three people that have their number retired in the history of the school and uh, it's really really sad and he's a New York guy you know came from Brooklyn 
and I don't know how many people know this, but you know who the guy was that actually recruited Phil Sellers to Rutgers? Guy by the name of Dick Vitale, who was an assistant coach then way back when with Rutgers and found this kid in New York, and then he was supposed to uh, go to Notre Dame, as a matter of fact. But you know Dickie V, he's got the gift of gab, right? And he was convincing enough to cross the river and come over to Rutgers, and the rest is history. And you know what? He's going to stay the leading scorer and the leading rebounder probably for a good long while, especially the way that college sports is right now and with the one-and-dones and that type of thing. And if you ever do have a player, and I know Rutgers has a really, really good recruiting class, you know, even for next year, for example, you know, one of the best in the country. But even if you do have one of those special players that's a five-star and, you know, has NBA designs and all those type of things. They're not going to be able to stay – they're not going to stay in school long enough nowadays to, be, to break one of these all-time scoring records, you know, out of school because the first chance they get, even with NIL and the prospects to earn money in college, um, they're going to make the jump for the NBA and for all the riches that come with being a professional athlete. So really, really sad news. So um, condolences and prayers out to his family and the rest of uh, the people involved with the program and those teams. So that team, I mean, they, you know, Tom Young was the coach. He recently passed away, I think, within the last year or, or year or two. Um, coach Boylan, another guy as well. It's just uh, it's sad. It really is. So uh, thoughts and prayers to uh, the family of the great Phil Sellers. Let's say hi to Subi in Midtown, who is up next here on 98.7. Subi, how are you? Hey, Dan. I just wanted to touch up on your point about quarterbacks in the yep. NFL, Justin Field. You know, the inexperience shows every week with some of these quarterbacks you're seeing even in Pittsburgh. So when, when do the GMs learn not to take quarterbacks that are going to play them within three years? Does it come to a point where we're going to uh, realize that GMs are going to get fired over this? Or is it going to be just the same old, same old? And then this week specifically with Mac Jones, if he rips up the, Jet, the Jets' defense, which, you know, it's like a – I give him like a 20% chance to do so. Well, uh, what what liability does that say about the Jets' defense with Sauce Gardner? Because he won Defensive Player of the Year last year, but he only had two interceptions. That play with the Prescott should have been a pick six if he wants to be a Defensive Player of the Year like Richard Sherman was in his prime. That's all i got to say. Yeah, Subi, thanks a lot for the phone call. Look, I, and, you know, I'll say this. If Mac Jones as Subi so eloquently put it, rips up the Jets on Sunday. I don't even want to think about what our shows are going to be like next week. Don't even want to think about it. That's one thing I'm confident will not happen, right? And that's the least likely scenario. I mean, you, you can sit here and tell me that the Jets somehow find a way to lose this game again, and it's 15 in a row for the Patriots. I guess I got to buy it because, like I said, it's been 14 up until this point. But if you're going to tell me that Mac Jones is going to throw for like three bills and just shred this defense, much like Dak Prescott and company did last week in Dallas, that, that's, that one is hard to believe. You know, I could see certainly miscues and self-inflicted wounds and they beat themselves. But like for the Patriots to go out there and like, you know, Mac Jones morph into Tom Brady and just shred this defense, I can't see that happening. That's one area of this football team that I'm pretty confident is going to be able to give you a bounce-back performance. That's the defense. Because they were embarrassed by what happened against the Cowboys, right? This is one of the top units in the NFL. This was supposed to be the strength of the football team. 
And for them to give up the 30 points and for them to give up all those yards and all those plays and the time of possession, that's what you don't expect to see. And you know what? The offense actually sustaining some drives, moving the ball up and down the field, hopefully makes it easier on the defense too so they don't have to spend as much time on the field and they could be a little bit fresher. You know, 86 plays or eight, whatever. I mean, that's just, that's unheard of. But I don't think the Patriots have an offense that's capable of doing that. You know, they like to keep things pretty short to intermediate in the passing game, some misdirection type stuff, get the run game cranking. That's how the Patriots try to beat you, right? Don't do anything offensive. You could call it conservative. You call it whatever the hell you want. But remember, now that Bill O'Brien is back as the offensive coordinator, he's got to call plays a little bit differently than he did when Tom Brady was around, right? Because he doesn't have Tom Brady. But whether it's Ramondre Stevenson, you know, Zeke Elliott, for crying out loud, who's still there, they're going to try to grind it out. The tight ends are the guys that you watch out for, in my opinion, in that offense. You know, I know Ira mentioned it way back at the beginning of the show, like Mike Gusecki, who's now there, who was with the Dolphins for all those years and had a couple of big games against the Jets. But a guy like Hunter Henry is a capable player. You know, working the middle of the field with those tight ends. That's who they're going to look to try to feature. I mean, the wide receivers that they have don't really scare you. They they, They don't. And, you know, people up there in Boston were getting on Belichick because Demario Douglas... A rookie for them who's actually got some speed, you know, put the ball on the ground and Belichick put him on the bench. You know, this is one of your top playmakers here. It's not like the Patriots offense is blessed with all this skill. You know, Randy Moss and Wes Welker and Rob Gronkowski aren't there anymore. But Belichick put him on the bench and fans were, you know, livid saying, we got to put any capable guy we have out there. Enough. Zach Wilson will talk tomorrow, so we'll hear what he has to say. I'll be out there tomorrow, as a matter of fact, doing what I got to do for the game on Sunday. We'll talk to Greg Bedard and get the Patriots side of things on the program tomorrow. And we also hope to hook up with Jordan Renan to get our little Giants preview before they kick off against the San Francisco 49ers. But that'll do it for us tonight. Thanks to Joe and thanks to Harvey. Thanks to you guys. We'll do it at 6.30 tomorrow right after TMKS. Dan Gross is saying so long. Gordon and Larry up next on 98.7 ESPN.